everyone and welcome back to Straight Up, the music podcast brought to you by me, Kathleen Johnston, and my fellow journalist and bestie, Eleanor Halls. So today's guest is a very special one, fellow podcast host, DJ, author, one of the most well-respected figures on the music scene, it is DJ Semtex. Semtex made his name hosting the Friday Night Show on BBC Radio One Extra for 15 years before moving over to Capital One Extra where he's been since 2018. He also used to host a Spotify podcast, Who We Be, and now he has his own podcast, Hip Hop Raised Me, which is also the name of his autobiography. Semtex's interviews are the stuff of hip hop legend, from bagging the first UK interview with Drake and getting a follow up in 2017, to a tell all interview with Kanye just before he released College Dropout and being the only person to speak to Skepta when he released Konnichiwa. Over the decades, he has spoken to every single hip-hop artist that you could think of, and he has an encyclopedic knowledge of the scene that very, very few people could compete with. Over some champagne, we talked about his favourite interviews, from speaking to a young Travis Scott on the fly in LA, to taking J. Cole to Nando's, as well as his biggest interview fails and the lessons he's learned. He also revealed who from the UK rap scene throws the most iconic parties, how he pulled together a Drake interview at a DM's notice, and what he thinks of cancel culture. It was fascinating, really thought-provoking, and also very timely, so we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. One last thing, just before we kick off our chat with Semtex, which is that we're so excited to say that this episode of Straight Up is sponsored by Pioneer DJ, every DJ's go-to for high-quality equipment and production tools. Yep, so Pioneer DJ is perhaps the biggest DJ-focused electronic hardware brand in the business, stocking everything from players, mixers and controllers to speakers and headphones. Ask any decent DJ, producer or music lover and they will tell you that this is where every professional and beginner in the know gets their kit. One essential that Pioneer DJ is the absolute best for are headphones and we really recommend the HDJ CUE ones. They're built using the same DNA as the Pioneer DJ Pro models but at a much more affordable price which makes them perfect for literally anyone that cares about good sound quality. As well as music obsessives and podcasters like us, they would also be really good for people learning to DJ for the first time or perhaps those doing it as a cheeky side hustle. They deliver studio quality sound but the design is super compact so ideal when we all start commuting again. Also there's just never been a better time to get into DJing. It's a peak lockdown learning activity and I feel like quite a few people I know have invested in decks recently and are really making it into like a fun hobby. I actually wish that I could DJ. It's the coolest thing when you go to events and you see women DJing at parties and so many of my creative faves now have DJing as just like one string to their bow. 100%. One of my favourite festival memories actually is watching Peggy Goo perform at Boat Party at Deck Mental Selectors in Croatia a couple years back. Also loved watching sets from Tiffany Calver, who's been on the podcast before. For any aspiring DJs out there, Pioneer DJ also has the Dream Starter Set of decks. They recently launched the DDJ FLX6, a four-channel DJ controller that, like the headphones, mirrors the pro-level equipment, but is an ideal entry-level product, making learning the ropes insanely easy and super fun. You can even mix two songs from totally different genres, which is a game changer for anyone that wants to learn how to switch back and forth between records. Also, I know this really is not the most important thing, but the controller is sleek and portable and also comes in a chic grey matte finish that would look fab in any living room, bedroom or studio. Do you know what? This sounds so amazing and straightforward that it's making me think even I could do it and that is saying something. Oh my God, please do learn. I would love that so much. And we're going to need lots more DJs when life gets back to normal, especially for house parties. And I just can't wait to be dancing to one of your playlists. Same here. Head to pioneerdj.com to check out both the HDJ CUE1 headphones and the FLX6 decks. And thank you so much to Pioneer DJ. So, um, shall we get cracking with... The episode. Yeah. 
Um, we sent you a some we now, which is um, a very elegant choice. Can you tell us about your why we now? What are your favorite memories drinking? That? Um, you know what? I love we now because it just tastes good first and foremost. But you know, correct. I don't. I don't. I don't really drink. Like I can't say yeah. I don't drink. Like when I'm DJing. Jack Daniels is on the rider, like always, you know. Um, it's always it's always <laughs> a good night when you got a bottle of Jack. But I was at um, a dinner one time, and then they just bring in round bottles of Unar. I was like, and I was like, yeah, this is this is my choice. Like, I I got into it from then. So <laughs> ever since, like, if there's ever an option, yeah, Unar, please. So yeah. What's like the swankiest music industry party that you've ever been to? Geeks had a dinner once. He had a Christmas dinner. And he invented, he invited pretty much the whole rap scene. And it was a venue somewhere um, in in central London. And it's like a massive, massive hall. And there was four long tables. It was like, it was like a banquet out of Game of Thrones times five. But instead of, <laughs> oh yeah, instead of lords and barbarians and savages, it was just rappers. It was just like, it was, you were very privileged <laughs> to be in that dinner. And if you knew about it, if you got the invite, you got the invite, and that's it. There was no plus ones, there was no plus twos, and and every you, you couldn't sit next to anyone who wasn't a rapper. And the food was incredible. There was like a, a very who were you sat with? Um, I was sat with Michael Dapper at the time. Like it was, we, we was very cracking fun. up all night. Um, <laughs> and Chip was there. Bugsy Malone was there. Um, and and basically, he had this. It was like it was like. A, it sounds cheap to say it's a buffet, but it's a buffet of amazing food, every style of food. And again, I think they had Runeau on tap all night as well. There, there was like a hundred waiters. Ah. Yeah, just walking around in bottles. Okay. They were just, just, just walking around like that. <laughs> yeah. that was like, oh, no. you know. It was like that. It was like that all night. And, and I'd say that's probably the realest, swankiest dinner I've ever been to because Giggs is a very, very cool guy. He's, he's very amazing. And I think his whole journey has been you know, and it, a book of turning tragedy to triumph and turning his life around and everything else. So I think when he had that dinner, it was just after the track he'd done with gigs with Drake had come out, um, KMT. So it was a really, really good year for him. And it was kind of like, it was a celebration, but it was almost like a, a gesture of bringing the scene together. And nobody's done it since. It was an amazing dinner. Did you perform? It was, you, can you perform at your own party? Nah, it, I, want, <laughs> I wanted to DJ, but there's someone else DJ. It's one of them. Nobody was working. <laughs> everyone was just, everyone was just chilling. Having everyone a good was time. Just yeah, it was amazing. It was really, really nice, you know. So, um, do you, do you feel like obviously you're a DJ as well as a an interviewer? But I, one thing I find when I'm at industry events is that I can't switch off the interviewing. <laughs> so when I'm talking to people, <laughs> I feel like sometimes it's really hard to get out of the interview zone. Do you feel like that? Because obviously a big part of your job is quizzing people. I got a bit intense with it at one point because at one point, um, anytime I saw someone I knew, I had to have a microphone in my back pocket. I'd be like, yo, how you doing? You all right? So once... <laughs> I, I, and I didn't realize I didn't realize how rude it was. I didn't realize how, you know. It, it, <laughs> so imagine we were at a party, and you know, you imagine imagine you're an artist or something like that. Hey, what's going on? You were like, yeah, yeah, just part the cards came in. So, so what do you think about you know, like tell me about your album? Like, what's it's like the... they've had a few drinks. Yeah. They probably don't want to be on the record yeah. right now. And, 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 and it was um, there's an artist called Mac Miller 
who who passed away a couple of years ago and mm. you know I was you know I was really cool with him he's a really cool guy and I've interviewed him a few times he'd been on my show did an amazing freestyle and then I was DJing for Nas on tour in Germany and I think we stopped off at Austria at this resort like in the mountains it was amazing it was like really bizarre because it was warm and but it was snow snow caps mountains like some ski resort and everything so it's like a hip-hop show on the ski resort wow. and Mac Miller was there so you know I, I got backstage and then I was like yo Mac what's going on how, how you doing like and he's like look Sam we're friends you don't need to keep doing this like we can do this anytime but you don't always need to do this I made me realize, like, I need to chill out, you know. Um, and, and it, so have you actually recorded some amazing interviews yeah, in this way? Yeah, yeah uh, loads. Who, yeah. And, and, and who? Um, most, most people, you know, um, can pretty much, you know, Kanye West, you know, I'd be back. I, I, I was cool with Kanye, you know, and, and, you know, any time I saw him, because um, I was working with him in different capacities, it's just like, yeah, let's do an interview. You know, it's just like, I always had a mic. I had a flash mic in my back pocket, ready to go. Like, t- still to this day, like, I always carry it because you never know. You never know when you're going to meet dangerous. that. dangerous. Never know. Just... <laughs> Is that how that early, so I was watching the 2013 interview with Travis Scott, where you're right. on like the rooftop in LA. Exactly and it that. it definitely feels quite on the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, how yeah. it happened? Yeah, yeah. Because because what happened was I was in LA for something else, and then Kanye's engineer Anthony Kilhoffer he was like, "Yo, I'm with Travis Scott." I was like, "Oh, okay." And like, you know, he wasn't Travis Scott who he is today. He was like, "Oh, he's the new guy." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, definitely." So we're on the rooftop, and then I'm like, "So what's?" Going on? <laughs> it turns into an interview, but he kind of semi knew it was happening, but. The meeting with Travis, that wasn't planned at all. Like, I, I knew, like, two hours before that that was going to happen. Um, but because I've always got a microphone and, you know, my friend, Chris Waring, who's one of the main hip-hop promoters, he was out there as well. So I gave him the camera. <laughs> I didn't even say, yeah, can you film? I was like, yeah, hold that, yeah? Just, just point, right? And then <laughs> it was a little bit shaky. But, but you've got to take advantage of them situations, you know, because you never yeah. know when you're going to see them people again. You never know when you're going to get that opportunity and you know it it's it's about getting that moment in time it's about getting that moment in time for the fans it's about documenting what they're doing and you know with travis um i was there from the beginning of his career so when i see him anytime i see him it's all love he knows like instant sem let through like he's that's sem oh. yeah backstage yeah, yeah. How do you, so you, I guess you never have to deal with like the publicists, right? So, you know, you know. Because a journalist certainly couldn't like bring out a mic and just start recording <laughs> talent because you'd get a publicist like wrestling it from our Yeah, from our it's, it's, you know what happens is from when you're a DJ and when you're, when you're there for an artist from the beginning, it's beyond that. Like, because it's like a friendship yeah. and, you know, as as I've got older, I've learned to not take advantage of that friendship. I've, I've chilled out now. It's like, yeah, when you want to do an interview, when it's, <laughs> yep, okay, when the time's right. Um, it's some great publicists, and shout out to all the pluggers and publicists who, who help me get moments because you need them no matter what. Like, you know, um, but it's, it's the, when you've got relationships with artists, like I've had artists just call me up, like even with Drake, like that was no label involvement, no publishing. It didn't matter what station I was on. 
literally, right, literally seven o'clock in the morning, I woke up, I'm on the toilet, checking my DMs, excuse the detail, and, <laughs> and then I see this text message, right? And it says, look, I was looking back at our interview that we did seven years ago. Um, it'd be honored if we could be, I'd be honored if we could recreate that and could you come down to the show tonight and we'll talk about it. I was like, fuck off. Who's t- who's- <laughs> Who's taking? Who's hacked my phone? Who's taking the piss? I was just like, I was like, fuck off. Like, and then ten minutes again, I read it again, and I was like, wow, I was like, wow, Drake DMs me. You know, I got a bit, got a bit, you know, a bit like a fan. Like, I was like, wow, yeah, got DM for Drake, you know, like, and then I, t- I DM'd him back, <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, sure, what time? And then he was like, hit this number, da 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 da, passes on the door, da 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 da. So I was like, wow. So wow. went backstage after the show. Show is incredible. He bids me open the show and everything else, which is like, it's, it's really not good for my ego. And then we go backstage <laughs> and, and basically um, he said, look, you were there for me from the beginning. Um, he said, I find that US um, DJs give me a hard time and unnecessarily. And I know you're about the culture and da, 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 da. So I want to sit down with you and talk. And, you know, um, yeah, let's do it. I, I'm not going to say no, am I, you know? So I was like, I was like, wow, yeah, yeah. of course, straight. Yeah, whenever. Let me know whenever and everything else. I was on call for two weeks waiting for that moment to happen. And it was literally, I was waiting for a text message to say, come and do the interview. So I had a team on standby with cameras and recording equipment for two weeks. This wasn't me with my flashmate. This was big. This was like, I've got to do this. Like I've got to put this, you know, everything into it. So, and then, and then it gets to a point where you're like, when you forget about it, that's when the call comes. So after, (laughs) after 13 days of being really anxious and looking at your phone, I'm looking at my phone, like, you know, it's like waiting for Drake, you know, and then, and then when you don't expect it, 7.30, I get the text message, come to this hotel now, let's do it. I'm like, yo, everyone, we gotta go. It was like, it was like battle stations. <laughs> go, go, go! Like, get to this address. Da, 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 da. We get to the hotel. There's a room set up. Set up the lighting. Set up the camp. Da, 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 da. And it was like, it was very, um, very exciting. It was very spur of the moment, and and those are always the best moments. And I think going back to what you were saying about not involving a PR, that had nothing to do. That was just me and Drake one on one, and you know he. I'm forever grateful for that moment because he could he could have done that with Oprah or Ellen or you know someone with a way bigger massive platform, but I think he just wanted like the purity of the conversation. Like I don't kiss ass. I don't you know I was asking him the questions that everybody wanted to know um, at every level from the Grammy situation to his beef with Meek Mill and it got to, like by mm-hmm. the time we finished the interview I was like done it there's nothing else to say like i was like the, the mental roller was like yeah i've done it it's done so and um because you you obviously got like the as you say he remembers you fondly because you got the first interview with him when 2000 like before yeah. his debut album yeah, yeah. so like obviously he's gonna pay his respects to the fact that you were there mm. for him before he was even a name name um i guess how much of that when you're thinking about reaching out to stars that you think are going to be someone someone like Drake, for instance, how much of that is kind of um, uh, tactical in the sense that like, hey, if I if I support them when they're small, 
they're going to come back to me when they're huge and no one else can get them because like no one can get a Jake interview mm. now, right? Like he doesn't do press yeah, in yeah, yeah. the usual yeah. way. Um, it's never been tactical. Like everything I've done is out of love for the music and and genuinely interested. I, I can't do interviews with people that I'm not interested in. It's not. I couldn't. You know, I know some people that are paid to talk to whoever, whenever, and whatever. But I don't like them. I just, I'll just never be in their circle because I, I don't do the negative <laughs> stuff. I don't want to get someone on and yeah. then give it back. How do you me. deal with that? How do you deal with that? If, like, say you're with Capital now, you were with um, Radio One before that. If they want you to do an interview and you don't find them interesting, are you able? Are you able to say no at this stage yeah. of your career? Probably. Yeah. I'm just, I'll just say that that person is probably more appropriate because I, I, I don't want to do something that makes the artist look bad and I don't want to waste no one's time and um, I'd rather just it's like what what I've learned over the years is being able to just follow your gut instinct and do what you like doing out of passion and just talk to people you want to talk to it it pays off in the long run it really does and you know it's like it's like Kendrick Lamar like there was one point Kendrick Lamar I mean, this is when I was doing my blog and the blog was popping and everything else, the blog era was popping. And we were just posting his music. And I was like, look, I'm going to be in LA for a festival. Can we hook up, do an interview? So, and he was like, yeah, sure. He came and picked me up and we drove around LA. We drove around Compton. He took me to his studio. We did the interview. It was dope. Then we drove driving around LA. And this was a time, to show you how early this was, this was a time where he was hoping that one day Dr. Dre would pay attention to him and work with him. It's fascinating because two years later, then he's working with Dre. So it's really bizarre to see how everything changed. And the craziest thing is when he dropped us off back at the hotel, he was like, oh, yeah, oh by the way, Semtex, can you make sure when you tweet my name, you spell it right? Because you're spelling Lamar wrong. I want to get your fan base as well. I was like, yeah, all right, all right cool. It's fascinating. Like that when you look at where he's at now, like it's crazy how things turn around in such a short space of time for certain artists. So at that time, was I like Kendrick's gonna be who Kendrick is today? Nah, I didn't I didn't I didn't did I didn't know. I was just like, it's just it's just the beautiful thing about hip hop is that, you know, if you're involved, you're involved and the artists and the come up, they you know, they appreciate the support. They they appreciate that someone from the UK cares about what they do actually listens to their music and can talk about it like so they you were in a special place um of respect you know amongst their team and everything else and i think and that that never dies that never goes away so it's it's never tactical there's i've done i've done thousands of artists that you've you've never heard of and that's not to say that they're not very good it's not no detriment to them it's just their path's just been different and that's it you know so Guys, we need to interrupt our chat with Semtex for just one minute because we have to talk to you about something utterly delicious. So you've probably seen the Bleecker double cheeseburger on Instagram. Two rare breed, grass-fed, dry-aged beef patties dripping into a soft sesame seed bun and slathered with American cheese and burger sauce before being dusted with the secret Bleecker seasoning. It is the stuff of real food dreams and was even crowned the winner of the 2020 UK National Burger Award. 
Oh my God, just hearing that has made me crave one. The Bleecker Double Cheeseburger is in my humble, but actually quite expert opinion, London's best burger, and I really have tried them all. It was created by this corporate lawyer in New York who basically went on her lunch break one day in East Village and ate this burger and became so obsessed with it, she started moonlighting at the burger joint in her spare time to find out exactly why it tasted so good. Then, in 2012, she moved to London, quit her job as a lawyer, and started grilling her own take on the burger out of the van, with buns ordered fresh from a London Malaysian bakery and the meat sourced from small, independent farms in the UK. Now, there are bleaker posts right across the city, from Battersea to Spitalfield. Even with restaurants shut right now, it's not just those who live near Bleecker who can get their hands on these amazing burgers because they also offer an epic range of DIY burger kits for delivery nationwide. Making your own burger is so much more gratifying. It gives you the fun of home cooking no matter what your skill set is and also promises a burger so fresh you'll be dreaming of it for weeks. I'm also really loving meal kits right now because it's just so much easier to tidy up after than if you'd made everything from scratch. Plus, it's a really fun thing to do in a weekend on a weekend during endless lockdown. Kits are available for either two or four people and all the ingredients come straight from the Bleaker kitchens. Plus every DIY kit comes with a full bottle of the Bleaker's signature house sauce for you to enjoy long after you've eaten those delicious burgers. Tuesday at 2pm is the cutoff to have your kit delivered that Friday and you can order from bleaker.co.uk which is spelled B-L-E-E-C-K-E-R. Thank you very much to Bleaker. you're interviewing people that you're interested in anyway um, you'll have like a good knowledge of their work how do you prep for an interview do you write down questions do you refer to something like notes or is it just literally like you said with Drake what is everyone interested in I'm going to ask the obvious questions that everyone wants answers to with radio I never write down questions like I, I, I have to memorize it because the flow of conversation you can't be in a deep conversation with someone and they tell you something like that they've probably never told anyone in their lives. It's totally revealing. Okay. And you know, you're following the yeah. structure of the questioning. Yeah. It's the worst thing you can do. Like to follow a line of questioning um, rigidly, forget it. But if you've got it mentally loosely, so you go, all right, you know what you want to say for question six, already answered that, let's go to eight or da da da. You follow the, the flow of the conversation with, with, with the Who We Be podcast, um, again, it was two people in a room. It's almost like therapy, right? Now, I guarantee you, if we did this in a room, right, and it was just me and you two, it'd be slightly intimidating for me because you two would be grilling me. Oh, do you yeah, think? because it's like you're in a room and two interviewers against one interviewee yeah that's 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 very that's that's why we give all our interviews a drink <laughs> <laughs> but, but but think about it like think about it while someone's answering and they haven't been able to process what they've just said or process you know you're coming with another question and then vice versa or you're coming with another question so it's like tag teaming so when you're tag teaming against one person yeah. It puts that person under pressure. When you do that in a room with four walls and no one else is about, yeah, it's it's it is something it's in that. It's something in that. But when it's just a one on one, it's almost like counselling. It's like people the people who want to talk, it just comes out. It just comes out. And if you're just talking, you're sat facing each other, there's no questions, there's no laptop with anything like that, there's more trust. So 
the more trust you get, the more open they're going to be. Very, very different conversation. But now we're doing stuff remotely. What I find is um, I have to write questions down because I have to keep the momentum of the conversation going because it's different. When someone says, I'm in a room with you from six till seven, they'll chill out. And, you know, you give them some drinks even better. They'll chill out even more. They're relaxed. They're in the zone. And most of the time when the hour's up, they don't want to go because they've had a good time. They've enjoyed it. And you also need to decompress after you've done a good interview. You also need to reflect on what you've discussed because some artists talk about stuff Absolutely. that they've never spoken to anybody else about, you know. And 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 some deep things can come out of it. There's, there's you know, I did, I did, I did, um, there's a couple of interviews that I've done in the past where I've been like, I need to get better at being able to close them. You know, when I spoke to Bugsy Malone, it was just me and him in, um, Bugsy Malone, I, I go to Manchester, I get this bright idea about talking to him in his gym. Right. right. So, so I go to Manchester, I'm in Boston, I'm in this gnarly gym and it stinks of men. Why is gym out of interest? It's, it's just the gym. Like, because that's just what, you know, he works out and everything. Like, oh, I want this He's wedge. Yeah. So I go, I, I go, yeah, I, so I go to the gym. Fair. The gym stank, man. It stank of mad sweat. It was just nasty. Like, <laughs> this is during the day as well, and no one had been there yet. So I was like, okay, this is a bit, all right, looks nice. And then, it looked, you know, and then someone, and, and there's a loads of noise. All of a sudden, there's the odd person training. I'm like, yeah, I've got to do an interview here. And Booksy was already four hours late. So it was like, and then kids started coming in the training. You just hear kids shouting and shit. I was like, this is never going to work. So, I, Quickly, I call up the Hilton Hotel. I need a meeting room. So they're like, yeah, yeah. I, just, I booked a meeting room because I was like, this is a joke. This Spotify is going to be pissed. They're going to be pissed because they'll be like, what the hell's going on? Like, why did you decide to do an interview with a gym centric? What were you thinking? So I, I, I go to the Hilton Hotel and we're in a meeting room. That, that was like a therapy session. That was like, because he was talking about what he'd been through. He was talking about relationship with his father and everything else. Mm. It was really, really mm. deep. And at the end of it, I was like, I don't really know how to close this. Because I don't, I don't know how you close it when someone bears their soul and they're talking about trauma. You know, all right, cool. Yeah. I mean, even his soul was great. Thanks. Yeah. I felt like I had some kind of duty to close it properly, you know? And, and acknowledge yeah. the yeah, heaviness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, even though he wasn't looking for that, he was fine with it. He was cool. Like, he was... But it was just like, you know, it kind of hit home how much of a responsibility you've got to get it right. You know, they, they, people trust you with their stories. So, yeah, radio's different to face-to-face and the room's different. Um, had, had, I, had I done that interview in the gym, never would have got that detail. It would have been a totally different interview. It would have been... Um, it just would have been manly talk or surface some, level yeah chats. yeah stupid yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and then i think what's what strikes me about your interviewing technique sometimes if you don't mind me analyzing it as a fellow <laughs> interviewer is that you're very good at um staying silent like when i was watching your i've interviewed scapter before and you know he's not the he's not the most straightforward person to, to interview because i feel like he has quite a lot of walls up fair enough um but the way i was just struck by how quickly he was talking about like a shooting he'd seen and some trauma he'd experienced and I was like wow he has so quickly told you so much and, and like he has shown so much vulnerability when he's not the most vulnerable person immediately um, with people 
I'm sure with even people he knows very well. So I felt, and it's something I've definitely had to learn as an interviewer, Kathleen, I don't know if you feel the same, like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't fill the silence. Like, don't, so like yeah. you ask a question, like, so, you know, just wondering if perhaps yeah. you've ever maybe felt like that before. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, to, and just, just wait and they'll tell you everything. You're so good at that. That's something I still need to learn. Thank you. There's, there's power in silence because, mm, 100%. Um, you know, someone speaks and they say something and you give them the space to let it out, let it go. But when you come with the next question, it hits with more of an impact when there's a gap. Like, I'm giving away all my secrets here, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's why we requested this interview. I'm not even off in the bottom, <laughs> telling you everything. One, the, the listener, the, the, the interviewee is reassured that you're listening. You're not trying to, you know, there's some DJs I'm not going to name who, you know, high profile, um, very successful. They've made it, they've got to the top. But they do the worst interviews because when they're talking to someone, like and, and they'll they'll get they'll get they'll get the big artists because of the position that they're in. It's not because the artists wanna go in and do it. It's just like, well, yeah, you do this, you get this airplay and whatever. It's 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 more for business that they do it. But it's mm. you know, the artists will be like, Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, well, I always think that, you know, when I was growing up that it like like they're talking about themselves so much and, and it's not about you. Like, if you're doing an interview with someone, it's about the person. It's not about your opinion. It's not about what you went through. It's not about how you felt. It's not about your preferences, unless the person asks you. And, and, and that's, 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 I think that's a disservice to the listener. It's a disservice to the artist. Um, and, I've, yeah, thankfully, I've never been too excited like to meet someone and I talk over them or anything like, oh, can't wait to get the next question. In. That's the other problem. When you're too quick to get your questions in, you miss the gold in an answer. You miss the timing, you know, and that's that's why um, not saying anything, you let the artist speak, you give them space afterwards, shows that you've listened, but it also means you get more attention on that next question that you're going to ask. And that next question that you ask, that's the one that hits. That's the one that brings out even more gold. So it's kind of like a timing thing and it's kind of like um, understanding the flow of conversation. You can't do that if you're looking at questions. You can't do that if you're looking at a laptop or a phone. Really, really fortunate because I've, I've had a lot of amazing moments um, catching up with Little Wayne in Amsterdam, catching up with Little Wayne. There's some artists that, that no matter what, you're going to have an amazing interview. Kanye West, Little Wayne, um, Jay-Z. The great ones, always, they're always special. But I'd say the one where it was like, it was like, yeah, I've evolved. I'd have thought, all right, is DJ Khaled at his home in a mansion in Beverly Hills. That was incredible because I'd never been to someone's house like that. And he's a DJ. He's not a rapper. He's not a singer. He's only a few, there's only a few degrees of separation between, between what me and him do. So for me, it's like I'm meeting this guy who's had 10 albums out, number one records, all the artists know him, highly successful, household name. And I'm sat in his house talking to him. That was an amazing experience. That was, that was 
that trip was actually life-changing because it made me realize I need to I need to do more I need to step up like I need to you know this is a guy who's inspiring for me in a one-to-one because you know just seeing what he's done and what he's achieved but also the interview was amazing and this is when it was at his peak this is when he was known for saying another one and this was when he was popping on Snapchat <laughs> and this is around the time when um you know the 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 track with Wild Thoughts was popping, the track with Rihanna. He was on top of the world at that point. So that was that was a very, very special moment um, for a lot of different reasons. And yeah, it was an amazing interview. So it's just, yeah, for me right now, that's the one. You know, something could happen this year. Have you been to anyone else's, anyone else's house since? Um, You've got to give us a scoop on the best celebrity houses now. I mean, the, the, I mean, Khalid, 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 amazing. He's got Rolls Royces outside. You know, it's all right. I went. I interviewed Khalid at his house. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> I've I've seen the pool pics. Yeah. <laughs> but then two years later, I'm I'm flying to his house in Miami to hear his new album. It's like and more new Rolls Royces and everything else and all of that. <laughs> so yeah, Khalid kind of wins, but I think Joe Budden has this huge mansion right now if you imagine if you imagine it's it's just like a huge mansion it's huge and i was like this guy's got this for podcasting like I, I i i couldn't wow i found it hard to fathom because you yeah. know he, is that actually how he's made all his money didn't know that yeah well he he was rapping before he'd done the reality tv thing but you know he he, he secured one of, he was one of the first podcasters to secure a big deal with mm. um, Spotify, so you know and Huge and deal. and I just I was talking yeah. to him at the start of that. So me me and Joe like I've known him for years, so we were cool. So um, you know I was very privileged to be able to get him at that moment because he wasn't doing first. He hasn't done an interview since. Like he doesn't do interviews like that. Um, and it was just fascinating to be. Again, seeing this guy who's gone from being a rapper whose career didn't take off as it should for whatever reason, whether he was ready or blame the label or whatever, but he's turned his life around and now he's one of the most influential podcasters in the world. It's like, you know, so that that was really, really fascinating. And again, it was really, really inspiring because it's like, you know, he's not, he shows you how the world's changed. You know, he's been more successful as a podcaster than he has been as a rapper. You know, the podcasting got in the massive, massive mansion. You know, we pulled up. So I pulled up with my team. Um, We didn't think it was the right house because we were like, we got out. We was actually, (laughs) we were actually like, because it was like a podcaster can't live here. (laughs) It was, it was, it was podcaster imposter syndrome because we pull up and it was like, it was like an affluent area and like we were there with, you know, because you're carrying all this equipment and you're like, are we at the right place? Like. Yes. No, that's the right address. Are, we, are you sure that's the right address? Like, it's a big, massive mansion. I'm not belittling Joe Budden's achievements, but I didn't think he'd be living like that. Has anything gone wrong? <clears throat> like, you don't yeah. seem like the kind of interviewer that has any disaster stories, to be fair. <laughs> but there must be... There, there must, must be, be one, one interview one that kills thing. you a bit. Like, sometimes yeah. I have a few, like, I can think of, like, particular ones where I'm like, <clears throat> I'm still mortified about that, and that was five years ago, and I will never <laughs> be able... <laughs> To not. Definitely. Same. <laughs> All right. Always. I've got two. 
right? I've never spoken on. on this before because it's mad embarrassing, <laughs> right? <gasps> a scoop. I was interviewing. <laughs> I was interviewing Neo um, at the MEN Arena in Manchester, and and then you know, no Neo, like because I was working with him as well. Same thing. I was, oh yeah, I've got a microphone in. So I pull out a microphone, start talking to him. I'm doing the interview, right? And I'm looking at the mic, and I've seen the green light turn to red. I'm like thinking, oh, shit, batteries running out, shit. Oh fuck. Then I see it go off, and I'm like, oh shit, batteries dead. No, I did. Oh. I was on doing the interview because because <laughs> you look dumb. You look dumb. Oh yeah, oh, you can't run out. You know, could I just go to the shop and come out? Like, has anyone got AA batteries? You look stupid. I was just like, <laughs> no, you can't do that. I was like, so what do you think? <laughs> For a good 10 minutes <laughs> I carried on for a good 10 minutes right and then oh. and then um yeah <laughs> because so, so what did you do after that I never did that well do... I promised myself I will never make that mistake again did anyone from his team like follow up and be like hey nah, just wondering nah, what nah, happened nah, to that nah, interview nah, 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 nah. <laughs> to this day just... I, you're oh the God, first time I'm telling anyone about that all right I promised myself <laughs> that would never happen right Couple of years later, doing another interview, right? And and you know, I, I I had this thing for doing stuff outside, like you know, natural environment and all that, and everything else. So I said to an artist, "I'm going to take you shopping for the day around London, so so you capture the vibe of London." Da 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 da. So we're out here. So I take him to Size on Carnaby Street. All right, and nobody knows this artist because he's at the beginning of his career. Nobody knows who he is, right? So, so, so he comes out and then I start talking, I said, all right, let's do this. We do the interview in the middle of Carnaby Street, right? So I'm talking to him, da 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 green light, right? Fuck, red light, fucking up, mate, it's happened again. <laughs> Fuck, like that, right? Fuck, the batteries ran out. Fuck, like, carry on. I'm like, yeah, 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 all right, cool, cool. All right, well, let's wrap this up here. Let's get something to eat and carry on after. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. All right. So you get something to eat. I buy batteries quick, right? We go to, Start that we go to Nando's, right? Amazing. You know, when you take Americans to Nando's for the first time, you change their life, right? So him and his team, like, yeah. So. Can you tell us who it is? So. Gonna be the touch. J. Cole finishes Nando's, right? So we go back outside, and I'm like, more questions. I asked exactly the same question. <laughs> I couldn't say. I couldn't say. Yo, Jay, the batteries ran out. You know, um, can we do it again? You look like such an idiot. You look like, like such a donor. So, I was like, I, I reworded the questions so it didn't sound the same, but I still got the interview. So. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, my god! Did he think you were like a bit slow or something? Like we have gone through this, but <laughs> I was beating myself up. I was like, you stupid bastard! Like, how can you do this again? I've never done it since. Never. Now, oh. now I carry with two spe- I carry oh. two packs of fresh batteries just in case. I've got in your pocket. I've got I've got batteries in the drawer, batteries in my other office. I've got batteries in my bag. <laughs> never again. Never again. Before I do a big interview, change the batteries. Like, it doesn't matter if they're new and they were put in yesterday, change yeah. them. Like, no no drama. Yeah. But 
like J. Cole, like, and when I, like, nobody, the fact that I could. That's a big one to, to <laughs> it's a really unfortunate one. I know, but the, the fact That's that. That's a pretty huge deal. The fact that I could take him to size and do the thing in Carnaby Street and nobody knew who he was, that, that tells that's you how so early it was. Crazy. Yeah, I took him to the Nando's just yeah, up. Yeah, that's mad, actually. The Nando's just up Oxford Street. Nobody knew who he was. So this was like. Did you like Nando's? He loved it. Him and his team loved it. it. It changed their lives. Like, they loved it, seriously. So, so, <laughs> so we come outside and and yeah, I just asked the questions again, same questions, and and thankfully he did, you know, he did it, and I think he would have been cool if I'd have said, oh yeah, by the way, the batch has died, but for the rest of his life he'd be looking at me funny, like, yo, Sam, that's the guy, yeah, 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 but you didn't have any batteries, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. never again, never again, never going through that again, so. But yeah, I was beating myself up because like, it happened the second time. I was like, this is so stupid. Oh. So, Sometimes though, it just has to happen the second time for you to like really get yeah, in your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. There will, there will, the there will never be a third time. Never. You know. Has there ever been a time that you've like not asked a question that you really wished you had? Or an interview? Maybe not that where you've regretted the entire interview, but you've regretted elements of it? Um, nah. No, I, I, you always I don't, ask the question. Yeah, it's, that's always the top of the agenda. There's it like most interviews. I'll do most interviews, and it's based around asking one question, and everything else after that is just like, yeah. great, you know, it's whatever. Um, and it's it's yeah, I'll, I'll just ask it straight. Like I'll ask, you know, about certain situations, um, depending on the artist and so forth, um, and. But there's, I've, I've got no regrets. Like I've been fortunate to be in situations where um, most interviews that pretty much every interview done, I've been happy with. There's some, one of the most, I'd say there's been awkward moments. My first interview with Tyler was mad awkward. It was really, really? Oh God, why? because it was when he was first doing, it's when he first came over and it was our future. And his whole thing was just, just, <laughs> it was just totally different to everyone else, right? So the first interview we did, it was just, he was just, he didn't want to do it. You know, it was, the answers were all over the place. So after seven minutes, I just wrapped it up. I was like, all right, you don't want to talk. Cool. All right, I'll see you later. And then I think someone on his team said to him, like, you know, you shouldn't have really done that. He's a cool guy. Da, 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 da. And then um, I got a call saying, "Look, can we can we do something?" And then I took him to Tinseltown. <laughs> oh he loved it. He he absolutely loved it. And it was a totally different interview. And he's he was cool. I just think he's he's a very unique guy. He's a very very special artist. And I think his whole approach is to everything. Yeah. And I think some people some people would have reacted differently to that. Some people act up with it. And, and just have offended and that's part of the entertainment you know and some people are like um they'll go along with it and be equally as whatever mood Tyler was in I was just like All right, cool you don't want to do it cool I just shut it down so that was the first one but 
that's a good way to be i feel and it also balances out the um power dynamic between like interviewee and interviewer which can be a bit of a complicated Mm. one because you do really as the interviewer want to present yourself on some similar level rather than being like you say like a kind of pathetic fan that's like yeah and and just tell me anything you know and I, i get it he's you know at the time i was like all right you you're doing what you're doing cool i'm just i'm just not on it like it was just i was just like and um but with you know i seen him recently when he last came to the uk just came up to me give me a massive finally yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, he gave me a massive <laughs> give me a massive hug um he did his thing i saw his show yeah. it was fucking yeah amazing. and then I was, and he won the brit right yeah yeah yeah. Year. i was on his table at the bit yeah so and nice. then oh, yeah really? and, which is a really cute oh, man wow. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and and he yeah, he's he's cool. He's just a different different artist. He's a creative visionary that yeah. I still don't think most of the world are ready for. You know, he's he's a very very different artist, and I think he's got mm. a massive career ahead of him, which can go in any direction. So it's just um, I just think he isn't he isn't the same as everyone else. He's plugged in differently. Very very different approach to everything else. So I really wanted to get your thoughts on cancel culture because it's a huge topic in the music industry at the moment. And it's also something I'm sure that you have to wrestle with quite a lot, um, both in your job as a DJ at Capital, but also playing events. I don't know if you play R. Kelly or Michael Jackson. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's debatable. What, Michael Jackson? Because you haven't... With that situation, no one really knows the real story. You know, you've had people that have come out and said this, but then it's been disclosed as being paid, you've had other people that have been, I think, I, I don't know if we'll ever find out the truth. And I just think, mm. again, does that make you not listen to Thriller or, you know, or Off the Wall or any of his other music? Like, I, I, I still listen to it. I grew up listening to Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know the truth. I don't know. I've seen the reports. I know all the stories. I know... But he was a very, very eccentric guy. Like, his colour yeah. changed. His face changed. And, yeah. you, know, as, you know, as we were growing up, we were told it was a skin disease. It's like, you know. So he, yeah. he, he had such a... It's so you don't, you don't know. I, with that situation, I don't know the truth. I'm, and I can't pass judgment because there's so many conflicting things. But the one thing you do know is that he had a troubled childhood. He was a child prodigy. He was raised in the public eye. And he was, he, he had issues. He was messed up. Like you could see yeah. it. And that's, I don't, I don't know. I can't pass judgment because there's no one who's been, yeah. he wasn't sentenced for what he did. There's nobody that came out with evidence and said he did this. There's rumors. Like, yeah, most of what he did was weird. Like, yeah, I'm not going to agree with most of that shit. Like, and you know he works on of a monkey. He's holding the baby out the window. Weird shit. Like, but he, he's, 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 he's probably a case study for um, how fame can affect your mental health. Like from childhood, from ten, from the age of ten, he was, he was, he was on stage. He was touring. He was in studios. You never had a real life. You never had a real upbringing. So how do you expect him to be? A real person, or dare I say it, normal. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't apply the same rules of what's normal yeah. to us to him because he's lived a totally different reality. And that's not to justify anything that is done. I'm. I'm just make it clear. I'm not. I'm just saying I don't know because I haven't got the facts. I'm not saying 
you know no, of course of course and lots of people you know michael jackson i hear played all the time yeah. i feel like to be honest he has not been cancelled king of really. pop i guess um another the king of pop huh? but but keep it keeping on the subject of what yeah. you're saying um <laughs> okay is is cancel culture in this era is very real like i think back then like people were condemned without any real proof the media was so powerful that they could run with a narrative and you couldn't oppose it you had so you had no social media to speak out you had nothing and da, 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 and so forth and so forth so i think it was a different time then whereas i think now i think i think i think i think people are presumed guilty way quicker way quicker there's there's another artist i'm not going to say who it is i was in a club my manager was like don't you dare play that and i was like oh, really? and i wasn't good but as a dj you're an entertainer right so i was in the club and i played it and then i could see it i could see all i could see everybody look up i said oh like you know you're playing awesome you've let us down you're playing that but what i did was I stopped the track straight away. I said, yeah, fuck that shit. I'm not playing that. Like, fuck that guy. And then was like, cheer it again. <laughs> I just did it as an entertainment thing. But it, it's very, um, it's very, it's a crazy phenomenon uh, how people can get cancelled before their sentence, before, you know, it's been tried in a, a court of law or anything like that. I think, I think I think yeah, the court, that, yeah, court of public so. opinion is way more powerful than ever before, um, and I just think, um, you know, I I I get the pressure, if, you know, if in the same way that artists, I got my managers that don't play it, like I had friends in the audience, like women who looked at me like I'd let them down, like I I was never, you know, I was part of the strategy, like turn up in yeah. the club and like play it, but it's like you, you can't you can't go against you know um if, if it's if it's a case where it's leaning towards something people are actually judged as being guilty even if they're not but here's the thing even if they're found to be innocent no one cares you're still guilty you're still you still did it yeah you still you still look like you did it you're yeah, still guilty true. you're still cancelled no one's you're yeah. still like a yeah, 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 yeah. we had tiffany calver on the podcast and she mentioned that she makes the purposeful decision to kind of uh vet songs based on lyrics mm. and if there are songs that have like super disrespectful lyrics then she just doesn't play them she doesn't have them on her playlist um i've always done that anyway you know like i said I've, oh you've always vetted have yeah you? i've got twin sisters I can't. So what's like a song that you wouldn't play? No, no, like, hold, hold on, what, hold on. First of you... all, you know how hard it is growing up with twin sisters who look yeah, that, older than what they are. Like, <laughs> are they littler than you? Uh, older or younger even? No, they're, 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 they're younger than me. But, you know, when when they were 15, they were like six foot one, six foot two. They were looking, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God. yeah, it's Big like. Big brother nightmare. You, you, you're, you're like permanent. Are they actually six foot two? Yeah, you, you, you're, you're like permanent security following them around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seriously, it's like what what are you, what are you looking what are you looking at? Like, I mean, yeah, the the first boyfriend conversation, it wasn't easy, you know. So Not so for me, it's it's yeah. always been protect women. It's always been that. And you know, uh, let me give you another example. There's a track that came out recently. It's massive, huge in the states right now. It's called Throat Baby. I can't play that. You and play it. I can't play it. 
Interesting. You know what it's about, right? So I don't need to break. What happens? No, but I don't no, need to break down the content, right? But it's called Spoke Baby. No. Okay. Yeah. But it's a hit in America. It's it's blowing up. They just done a remix with the baby and City Girls on it. Um, videos videos yeah. crazy. I can't I can't say that. JJ's Album Club. Hello, my name's Jimmy Famarewa. Hello, I'm Joey Page, and we are the hosts of JJ's Album Club. But Jimmy, what is JJ's Album Club? That is an amazing question, Joe. JJ's Album Club is a music discussion podcast hosted by me and my oldest friend, Joey, where we invite a series of interesting guests on to introduce us to a particularly meaningful album. On this series, we've got Baxter Jury... Sleaford Mods, Everything Everything, Pan Amsterdam, and loads more. So when you finish listening to Straight Up, head straight over to JJ's Album Club. Speaking about like the core of public opinion, and of course this is a completely different um, context, so definitely want to make that clear. I'm a big Kanye fan. I think he's been through a lot. He is a genius, and artist, and has obviously said some very controversial things. You have obviously kind of been in his orbit from early, saw your throwbacks from when he came in and even played tracks from College Dropout. And I know you said you'd never seen an artist do the like live sampling and stuff like that. Um, But clearly he's had a very difficult couple of years, specifically with the court of public opinion, as it were. Mm. Uh, Just kind of wanted to get your take on that really. Like, obviously you met him early, like we say, you knew he was a creative genius, Mm. but how have you felt seeing how things have played out over this last couple of years? Kanye is the great, Kanye West, quote me on this, is the greatest artist of all time, in my opinion. I think he's the greatest. I really do. His commitment to excellence, his his ability to produce, to rap, and everything else. He, for me, I think he's one of the greatest. Like no, no question. And I think he's going through some stuff. Again, I don't know the full details. He's talked about, you know, bipolarism. He's talked about stuff. All I know is the Kanye that I knew is not the same person. Like the Kanye that I knew and I've met six or seven times is 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 different. And I think it going we're going back go back go back to the Michael Jackson thing. Like, all right, look. I think Kanye's music is incredible. If you look at his discography and if you look at the amount of albums that he's done, college dropout. Um, late registration, graduation, eight weights and heartbreak, beautiful Dutch twisted fantasy, um, Jesus, um, watch the throne, life of Pablo, um, then there's the Yay album, and it's like if if you look if we say there's ten albums right let, let's you know you might say watch the phone that's that's a dual album with Jay Z you can't count that um, all right let's say let's say it's ten albums right let's say out of them ten albums how many would you say are five out of five albums how many would you say are excellent nine of ten for me I think when I counted them off when you were yeah, saying yeah I think I'd agree. Okay. Jesus is King is the only one that I'm a bit like meh. Jesus is King is incredible. Jesus is King. Ooh. Jesus is King <laughs> is like the evolution of college dropout. Everything he's saying in Jesus is King, he said it on college dropout. He's just he's gone deeper. Musically, incredible. What he does with the choir, incredible. As a rapper, 
and producer to totally flip what he's done, it is an incredible moment, right? But I'm saying you, you, you said nine albums, right? So nine great albums, nine five out of five albums. I'd say eight, maybe seven, right? So how many of the artists have had albums that you could talk about like that in their career? Like, there's artists like Prince who've had 50 albums and no disrespect or shade or anything to Prince. How many albums could you say were five out of five, like out of 50 albums in his career? How many albums yeah. could you say that about the Rolling Stones? How many albums could you say that about other artists? Now, you, Bowie, you, we, we, you know, we'd have to talk to experts in each area to debate this thoroughly and we could be here for weeks doing this. But, but what I'm saying is for me, there's very few artists that have been able to have that kind of catalogue of greatness. And, and I think most, you know, I'm in hip hop I'm, and that's my field. No one's got that many, no one's got that many great albums. Most, most artists, it's their first two or three albums that are amazing. And after that is, you know, and I think it's, he, he is an exception. And for, to be able to put that, amount of work and detail into each album every album's got to take something from your soul it's got to take something from your mental well-being it's got to take something from your human aura to do a track like ultra light beam to do a track like through the wire to do what he did on 808s and heartbreak it that commitment to excellence it almost destroys you at the same time so i'm saying after doing that many great albums after changing the game after inspiring a generation of artists 808s and Heartbreak as, as an album alone inspired the whole Vac to sing. After that album came out, everybody felt they could sing. Everybody was like, get me the auto-tune, I'm going to sing. Like, everybody had that confidence, <laughs> right? And, th and that album gave birth to Drake, to Dream, Frank Ocean, other mm -hmm. artists, right? So, so what I'm saying, when we talk about Kanye now, of course it's going to be fucked up. Of course it's yeah. going to mess with your mental. Because I think... That's Being that creative, I do think it takes that toll. It takes that toll on you when you're in front of a camera all the it's time. It's true. It obsessed him. Like you, the way he would talk in interviews and stuff. The way he would talk about his art was so intense. Mm. Like you felt like the energy. And and it's true. Now that I think about it, I hadn't really thought about it in that way before. You but can't that put that can much only in. Chip, you yeah. It can only destroy you, right? To, to be that obsessed with art and your work. And you're almost and... giving so much to so many other people that maybe the self becomes a little bit mm. backwards, which is ironic because obviously everyone's like, oh, he's the number one narcissist. But actually it's probably why. Hold on. Because... Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. You... Every artist is a narcissist. Any, any... <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's go even yeah. further. Anyone on Instagram right now, anyone on Instagram, you're a narcissist because <laughs> you were. You, you're posting pictures of yourself a lot of people are using filters. A lot of people are using shots that they don't really look like on any given day. <laughs> Narcissism. You're all hyper-narcissists. Even myself. I put myself yeah. in that. But, <laughs> and, and, and most rappers rap. Most singers sing. They don't do what Kanye does. They don't produce. They don't rap. They don't sing. They don't come with the whole creative envelope to deliver a project of greatness. Jesus is King is straight excellent. 10 out of 10 album. Incredibly slept on. And... As a fan, I don't care if anyone slept on it. I just know that it's an incredible album. Yeah. And I think yes. he'd evolved on that. But I just think, I just think whatever he said about whatever, I don't care about that. What I know is Kanye the musician is incredible. His regret, mm -hmm. I, I hate seeing what he did with Donald Trump in the White House. I hate it. And I spent months trying to figure out 
Was he trying to do the Andy Kaufman thing? Was it all a plan? Was it all a con? Or is he genuinely not well? You know. And then when mm. I seen him do the presentation, he started crying. Not well. You know, he's not well. Shouldn't be on the stage. He's not well. And it's, I mean, we were saying it's like a huge um, abuse, really, to an extent that people fueled the fire, mm. made him feel deeply uncomfortable. <clears throat> it gave him a platform in a way that perhaps wasn't appropriate for the timing i know obviously kim i think like and i'm actually a big kim kardashian fan Sorry. which i know is controversial in itself <laughs> but what she said about bipolar and how to deal with these kind of things i think was like the most kind of sensitive and appropriate way to deal with the situation Absolutely. and that intense media scrutiny yeah. she dealt with it incredibly well I, I don't think anyone knows how to deal with it until it's in, you know what when you're fake I, I i can't i've i've been around people and worked with people who need help I feel like I, it's not for me to say they're not well it's not for me to diagnose what's wrong with them I just know they need help right and I know that I'm not experienced enough to give that help what I would say is fame doesn't help it really doesn't help mm. and I think I do think the public have a lot to answer for because there's much part of the problem as anything else in the same way we were talking about R. Kelly in the same way that you loved Kanye in the beginning. You were playing all his albums and revering him and everything else, and you loved what he was doing. But when he's going through troubles, cancel. Cancel him. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, as an artist, that's going to fuck with your head even worse. If, you, if, you, if you've already got problems that you need to address, again, I just think it's, it's being in the spotlight and it, it does things that, Still to this day, I don't. I don't think we all know how to deal with you, and I think is is a bigger problem that still has got to be addressed. So we just wanna we wanna wrap by saying, um, like, what is the future for you? What who who is on your bucket list of interviews? What's <coughs> next after the podcast? Who are the UK artists we should be yeah. watching? Like, we want all yes. your twenty twenty one vision. Um, I need to get time with Dr. Dre. I need I need to sit down with him. Yo, when I saw he was ill, I was... Said it out loud, it's going to happen. I've been saying it out loud for 10 years. It's like, when I see when I see he went into hospital, I was like, no, you're going to get better. Not get until... Better, <laughs> You'll be at his deathbed with like your I'm mic. Like, for Dre. I got it. <laughs> um, one artist to watch out for, if you're not already aware of her, is Shabo. She's incredible. She's like... Yeah, she's she's that was uh Tiffany Calver's one of Tiffany Calver's faves as well. Yeah, there are so Isn't many it? good uh female artists coming through yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. I am like obsessed at the moment with Brie Runway, like, yeah, yeah, she's dope, so, queen yeah. of the world. Yeah. Like, it's so good to see lots of UK female artists coming through. I think. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and I think, I think, yeah, you know, we're gonna see some UK artists that take it worldwide, you know, it's like. You know, it's, it's dope that we're in a place where I think UK artists have found their voice and I think fans have, have moved away from just focusing on American acts and now you've got UK artists that are establishing themselves as, as superstars and icons. Um, and we just got to see more of that take place worldwide, you know. Well, I feel like that is like the perfect note to end on. I could literally chat to you all evening and I'm sure Elsie feel the same. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs>